0: In this town, there is no off-season. The news never stops, and neither do we. It's always game day in Cleveland with Andy Baskin and Daryl Leiter. It's always game day in Cleveland. It's like a locker room clean-out edition is what it feels like. It's brought to you locally by Smiley One, heating, cooling, and plumbing. Brian, Smiley One, the right choice for your comfort. Daryl, you left us on a cliffhanger after the first segment. Uh, Take us home here in the second. Let's go.
1: Well, I'll say this. If you think it feels like a locker cleanout edition, it's because it is the locker cleanout edition. <laughs> Sorry. We're good at that,
0: man. We Do you are any good locker at just- cleanout days we've done in our life. Uh, like I'm just trying to think, yeah.
1: It it was funny, um, you know our our late great good friend Les Levine. Uh, I channeled yeah. him today as I was leaving the building. I took a picture and I posted it on social media, and I, I the caption I put was in honor of our good pal Les Levine. Of all the Brown seasons I've covered, this one was the most recent and certainly one of them. <laughs> I mean that was my my it was it I I, I felt like Andy Dufresne coming out of the river in the pouring rain <laughs> and, and just extending my arms being cleansed. And I think a lot of the players felt that way too, after going through their exit interviews and that, but uh, let's pick. So, things wait, wait, wait.
0: Up. Just, I, I got, I just figured that out. And if I've been covering Cleveland sports since I was, I was in Columbus the first couple of years, but so since 90, this was my 75th locker cleanout between <laughs> our three major teams. This is my 75th anniversary of locker cleanup. I just want everyone to know that. Thank you.
1: Side note. Did I get a diamond? Baskin, I don't think so. Andy Baskin, really old. Back Thank to you.
0: you. Uh, 75. I can't believe I'm that old. 75 you have, locker cleanouts. You all have all
1: your like, hair, albeit a quarter of it, looks to be gray. Uh, all right, finish on, on with John Johnson. Man. I still have all my hair and none of it's gray, except for when I go to the barber and I look down and I see all the white. <laughs>
0: It's, it's interesting when I get my sense haircut; sense. it's not as bad as it is when it's on my head. I don't know why. But anyway, let's go back. You left us with a good cliffhanger. Go ahead, Derek. I
1: did? Oh, okay. Let's see. Where are we going to go here? Oh, yeah. What the hell happened to the defense, and why was it so effed up? Uh, yes. All right. Let's go with this. Um, you know all those guys that got in trouble this year, and there were, uh, at least by my count, four of them, and one of them was the team captain? Yeah. Um, yeah. Yeah. Um, probably not great that the team captain got in trouble. Uh, nonetheless, Greedy
0: did have uh, that one play suspension.
1: Oh yeah. No, that was Grant Delpit. Oh, I'm sorry. You're Um, right. It
0: was Grant Delpit. I thought it was Greedy. Yeah. You're
1: right. Um, yeah, Greedy
0: just said, we just said goodbye to Greedy. You know,
1: besides Jadavion Clowney trying to dictate his playing time for the Browns, uh, discipline, pretty big issue. And, uh, John Johnson was asked to weigh on, on the big issue with the D and discipline. Way too many, way too many. I mean, just you want to focus on winning, focus on football. It's
0: hard to do that when you got like small stuff. You know, it's a, it's a job, it's a profession. It's like you got to come ready every single day. It's like way too many to be focused on.
1: You know, we got other stuff to focus on. Basically, I think he that said that's the guys aren't
0: of, coming ready to play every day. Basically, there. I,
1: I, I think that what he was trying to say is that you just. You can't have the BS, and that's what they had this year—too much of that. And the proof is in the results. Yeah. You know, I mean, remember back in September when I told you something didn't feel right about this team? Yeah. What was it? Well, (laughs) I think we just found out, right? That they weren't communicating.
0: That they weren't talking to each other. That I'm like, I'm trying to read into this. Everything.
1: You know, discipline issues, accountability issues. Lack of people skills, um, the the inability to resolve little problems that turned into big problems that turned into guys getting left home on the final bus ride to and from Pittsburgh. Like, uh, yeah, i mean, Wait a second, yeah, they left uh, guys in county. Didn't get invited on the bus oh, ride oh, oh. to okay. Pittsburgh, right? He got okay. left home, right?
0: Okay, okay. That I got. I thought you. I was going to say, did you also hear that Joe
1: Woods in. got fired on Monday, Andy, Since you're trying to catch up here.
0: I'm trying to catch up to everything here. I still know that Joe Woods is still fired. Let me check. It's yeah, okay. okay. It's been a couple okay, hours, but he's still just fired.
1: In. This is in Joe Woods, still fired. Mike Prefer not, but May. More on that in a little bit. Uh, Greg Newsome, because we've heard so much about leadership this year, right? It's sure. funny. The Browns had a lot of really good leadership. Yet good leadership would have solved a lot of these problems. Uh, here's Greg Newsom on the L word.
0: Wins and losses, I don't really necessarily believe that's a leadership issue. Um, you know, I feel like our leaders are doing an amazing job. I mean, you can tell, you can walk around the you know, locker room and see us seven and nine, you know, whatever our record is. We still having fun with each other, still being together. So I don't necessarily think leadership kind of shows wins and losses, but um, so I wouldn't say it's a leadership issue, but, I mean, obviously it can improve. And I think that's just being with each other more, um, you know, a whole off offseason. Obviously getting four back for a whole entire season um, will be great for us as well. So he gets out there um, and, you know, shows more what he can do. So I don't think leadership was really the problem. I think we honestly had great leadership on this team. Um, and, you know, that's, that's stuff that only can improve.
1: And yet that leadership, one of them got sat down for a series – one missed the I, play, and then... I, you know what? I'm going to defend Greg here for a minute. He's okay. a young player, yeah, who so. is still learning about being a pro. And I'll say that I look. I think Greg was professional this year, so I don't want you to like misunderstand. You know, I, I don't want anyone to say that I'm saying that Greg's not professional. I just think that he's learning what leadership really is in the end. So from his perspective, he thinks leadership is fine, and I'm here to tell you that if the leadership is fine. All the crap that happened this year would have never happened.
0: That's leadership. That's, but here's my question. Leadership from a player standpoint or from a coaching standpoint?
1: Just all oh, from, from within the locker room.
0: Leadership. That's player, that's player leadership. Okay.
1: Yeah. And, and, and that's where I kind of come out on it. Yeah. Leadership was a big problem this year. Uh, because this stuff would have been nipped in the bud. And look. I I I've had guys tell me, and and I wrote this so I don't have a problem sharing this on the podcast because I put it in black and white. My understanding of the situation is that, you know, throughout the season, the players really were on Kevin Stefanski about holding guys accountable and wanting to be coached hard and wanting to raise the, the standards of professionalism. And, uh, you know, I, I don't know. I, I'll say that my take on that situation, Andy, is that Stefanski did not do enough in that regard. I, I just, okay. I, I, I feel like he didn't, he didn't meet some of the standards that I think some of the players were expecting him to meet as the head coach.
0: So the players wanted more out of him. Yes, basically, as far as just being a leader.
1: Yeah. Fair and, and, and accountability and and stuff like that. Yeah, like yeah. you know, yeah. There there's a reason that I have been saying some of the things I've been saying and some of the buzzwords I've used in the last, in the last couple of weeks have been people skills. I've made the joke about the Sergeant Holka and cracking the whip and you need the, you know, someone that ain't uh, afraid to show you the belt doesn't have to use the belt, but you know, the belt is there ready to be used. And if you don't, if you step out of line, you're going to get cracked, not, not in a physical sense, but you understand what I'm saying. Sure. It's, you know, I'm just using an analogy here. So, um, and, and that's why I've said that they, they, whoever they hire for to be defensive coordinator, Basically needs to be a disciplinarian. He needs to be a guy that's gonna come in and take no one's BS. He's gotta be a guy that's gonna come in and tell Miles Garrett to shut the hell up when Miles Garrett steps out of line. Um and and, and I and I'm I'm not picking on Miles, I'm just using his in an example because he's the best player on the team. And right. so if you can get like, um what make Ty what made Ty lose so great with the Cavaliers 2016 championship run? Because he wasn't afraid to tell LeBron to shut the F up, sit down, and this is what we're going to do, how we're going to do it, and this is what I need from you. And LeBron embraced that because he respected Ty Lue. Right. And LeBron implemented what Ty Lue wanted from him, right? Well, think
0: about what was before him. How many press conferences were here? David Black goes, it is just an honor and a pleasure to be on the same bench as this guy. And I'm like – and you can't be a head coach of an NBA team and be starstruck by your
1: players. hundred percent. And so, so this is the, but so this is the point that the larger point that I'm trying to make Andy about what's mm-hmm. missing from this organization. Like, so they need somebody that's going to do that because I think the other thing, the tough thing for Kevin Stefanski, he need, he does need to be true to himself. And I want to make sure that I am being fair to Kevin here. He's got to be true to himself. So, like, he can't come in next next season and all of a sudden just be this, you know, Different totalitarian person. taskmaster, right? Because then mm-hmm. players are going to be like, especially the ones that have been here, they're be like, what the hell is going on? You see what I'm saying? So, yeah, it he, looks
0: like it's he, fake.
1: Right. So, know. he needs his next defensive coordinator to be the Sergeant Holco, to be the belt form, to be that appropriate fear within the locker room that's going to be, re, you, know, f, you know, respected. And, and the players are going to want to run through a brick wall for them, similar to what we see with Campbell up in Detroit, right, and how they beat the package. Oh, my God. So,
0: Watching him last night, I was like, yeah. wow, this is awesome.
1: I, and, and I'm sitting there like, man, I wish the Browns would play like that. I wish the Browns would fight like that for you know for Kevin Stefanski or for Joe Woods or Mike Prefer or whomever. So that is, I think, where they are, and these are things that really need to be addressed as they do their offseason soul-searching. And I hope that Kevin Stefanski is able to find that guy to be his Sergeant Hulka so that he can get this team back to where they should and expect to be.
0: It's always game day in Cleveland. We're going to pick up right where we left off here. And I want to talk more about Kevin Stefanski. I want to talk more about the front office. And I want to dive into a little bit more of what Daryl was just saying. It's always game day in Cleveland. If you like what you're listening to, subscribe to the podcast.